welcome to Hour 2 of Sports Saturday on KLBJ with hosts Ed and Ben Clements. They're taking calls at 512-836-0590 or toll-free at 877-590-KLBJ. Welcome to Hour 2 of Sports Saturday. This is the End Zone Club on KLBJ. We're live from downtown Austin in the shadow of the University of Texas. Ed and Ben uh, are in Mexico this week, but they will be on at the half hour uh, in, a, in some segments talking about Big 12 football and NFL football. So we look forward to that. Uh, the End Zone Club is brought to you by Covert Bastrop, our friend Rocks Covert. Uh, closed today, but open all day Sunday. Howry, Breen, and Herman, call them up if you have any problems. Uh, we will not have any tonight, but you call them if you get in trouble. S&B Amusements, they will work on your pinball machine, your jukebox, anything that you have that's a valuable collectible and that you want to have some fun with, call S&B Amusements, Sue Patrick on Burnett Road, and Pokey Joe's Barbecue. All right, we are talking the first couple of segments of the End Zone Club this week. We're going to talk about the British Open coming up at Hoy Lake. And uh, Joe Beck is with me. Uh, Joe's a longtime pro at Austin Golf Club and before that director of instruction at Barton Creek. Mark Brooks the 1996 PGA champion uh, who has 803 Golf, his great corporate event golf getaway. And, uh, Mark, how did they get in touch with you about 803 Golf? Just 803golf.com. We've got a website. They can reach us right through there. Boy, I mean, that's a good time to go mm-hmm. for, for three days. or Is it three days and have fun with instruction and Telling stories, eating good food. Yes, sir. Anything to have fun. And they're and they're customizable. I mean, we can fit you know groups from four to fifteen. Probably mm-hmm. It'd be kind of be the largest group. Would would I think keeping it small is what makes it unique. Absolutely. So that's what we try to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Joe, you've got a weather forecast for next weekend. I think. Uh, of course, in in England, in wet in Western England, or. Scotland, where they're playing this week, you never know. You could, you, I mean, we saw we saw pictures of uh, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas playing at North Berwick, mm-hmm. and the weather looked like it was perfect. They were pulling carts, and their wives were out watching them and having a big time. Uh, it's gotten a little bit rougher today, and tomorrow they've moved the tee times up uh, about, well, I don't know, four or five hours. At least, yes. Yeah. So they're trying to get it in. So uh, anyway, tune in either in the middle of the night tonight or watch the replay tomorrow. But the Scottish Open with Roy McElroy leading uh, by one shot—that's going to be—that's going to be fun golf to watch. And and you can usually tell the suspects. Of course, it's a little different for the British Open this year because the live players are not playing in the Scottish Open. So a lot of the contenders—the Brooks Kepka, the Dustin Johnson. Uh, the Cam Smith, but they're over getting a little extra practice in over at uh, Royal Liverpool. True, and I think it might be worth pointing out that there's also an event going on here in the United States, okay, in Kentucky called the Barbasol. Yes, championship, which would have been previously been referred to as an opposite field event. In a lot of lot of years, right. you know, played opposite the British Open, played opposite a major or maybe a World Golf Championship event. 
this year the Scottish Open, I think it started last year actually, but this is it's a collaboration. It's yeah. a it's a partnership with the PGA Tour has with the DP World Tour, formerly known as the European Tour. The more info came out. The tour now, as of months ago, they initially bought about fifteen percent of the European tours. They called it tour European Tour Productions. Yeah. They subsequently upped that to forty percent. Mm, okay. So it's now more like a couple hundred million dollar investment uh, that the PGA Tour has been making into the Euro Tour. Yeah, there's a lot of deals, but they, I just I, it's just more webs, you know, more webs to weave in the in the complicated deal. But I, the reason I brought that up is to point out the European Tour is also involved in this merger partnership. Okay. Yeah, the DP Tour, yes. as they call it, which stands for Dubai Ports. Correct. That's the Does big... Did say Dubai? Yeah. Dubai Ports. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the big containers, that the shipping containers that come in, and they're put on the in the Dubai Ports. And Dubai they do, ports and, and, and while not that you were headed down that moral, ethical road, the... UAE also has not, they have, although far better human rights records than Saudi Arabia, they haven't been the friendliest to their mm-hmm. women society members over the years. So, you know, we get to know that. Saying, it gets real, dirty, you know, real, real, it gets real slippery in there, you yeah. know. Well, where, yeah. where do we draw the line? I mean, yeah, they're a little more modern no in, their, in their treatment of human rights. And gotten and, better and, and better, but sure. it's, yeah. nonetheless, there's some. Not only philosophical differences, there are also some, you know, rights differences that go on there in the Middle East. So, yeah, you know, who's who's who are we to judge, you know, that? But we can certainly judge who we go into business with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're going down the rabbit hole again of other things, which is fun because the PGA Tour, let's face it, bought into the DP Tour to get a piece of Ryder Cup, which is owned by the PGA of America. Bingo. That's why they've bought the 40%. Yes. Because they that now gives them access. And it's just come out. These are not – if you dig just a little bit, I mean, you go, well, how does the Euro, Euro Tour fund themselves? Well, primarily through the Ryder Cup mm-hmm. money. Yeah. And to make it even worse, in their case, because they've been struggling, you know, you could say we've been poaching their players for the last 25 years. The Euro, U.S. Tour <laughs> effectively been, been poaching Euro players. Yep. They only get that big money once every four years. Because, you know, every two years, mm-hmm. it, it switches back and forth. So it's a very interesting deal. So they use that money from their, the European – this would be a good year for them. You know, they're playing uh, – help me out. Marco Simone outside of – Outside of Rome. Outside mm-hmm. of Rome. Yeah. And this is a good year for the European Tour. They're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they, they're all crossing their fingers that all this garbage and the noise and all the mess that's going on doesn't – you know, hadn't – somewhat harmed their potential for revenue this year. So along the uh, along the lines of the Ryder Cup, these last these two weeks, Scottish Open and especially the British Open, uh, are very important point wise. Um, and the captains are looking at their wild card picks. Mm-hmm. And this time each captain has six count them, six wild card picks. It's a lot. That's a lot. Ben Crenshaw had two in nineteen ninety nine. Tom Lehman mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Pate. Now, having six is quite a luxury, especially in times or a when curse. Uh, or a curse. Well, yeah, it's it's tough on you mentally as a captain to tell a guy, "Hey, uh, you're the one guy I'm not picking on this." You're, you're seventh on the points list. <laughs> yeah, you're seventh. You're seventh in my mind. And you're out. You're out. Yeah. Uh, but mm. 
it, no, it 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 is tough, but especially in this time when the live players uh, that have resigned from the DP tour will not be part of the European team. Mm-hmm. Now there may be some live players on the American team that have qualified point-wise, like a uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, I think he will probably be in there points-wise, but he needs to have a good showing at the British Open. Yeah. And, and it sounds like yeah. you know they're leaning certainly towards you know Brooks. If he makes it in points, let let him on the team. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, he's may, probably, and he's probably been the least vocal, one of the le- less vocal about you know screaming, cut, you know bloody murder on each side. So yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, he he, he kinda, stayed pretty neutral. He kind of claimed that he didn't know how his injury was going to play out, and so he. I'm sure he didn't. Yeah, he's so also number three in points. So let's look at yeah. these points for the U.S. team. Um, Number one, Scotty Scheffler. Two is Wyndham Clark. Three is Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. Four, Xander Schauffele. Five, Patrick Cantlay. Six, Max Homa. So they're the at this point they would be the automatic qualifiers. But then you got Keegan Bradley, Jordan Spieth, Corin Morikawa, uh, Cameron Young, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas. I mean, it's going to be hard. Those. Well, to your point, eight. if you looked at the recent trend and you focused, put a, 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 a brighter lens on Major's performance, Max Homa's probably sitting in a funny spot. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, he makes pit money. You know? Yeah. <laughs> However, he's been trending down. He has not played well. I mean, like he has a one top ten in a major in his career. You could you could put J, JT in that category as well. Justin Thomas. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's won majors, dude. No question, but he's not. He's trending the other direction. I get it, but it's like he's got a track record. No They're going to put him on no the question. team. I don't care. Yeah, if he's, he's got a track record. And not not, not yeah. it, but Max has doesn't have a track record in the bigs. Yeah, he did have a good, you know, a Presidents Cup. Yeah. So I mean, he's got a little match play there. I, I love him. I'm not knocking him. I'm just talking. The only emphasis is that that's the dilemma that you know Zach Johnson put ends up being in by having to pick six guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate it. I mean, honestly, I think one or two picks is plenty. You know, earn your spot. I mean, that, I like three. I earn mean, your spot. I thought mm-hmm. three was a good number, and uh, the European team right now, and they're the contenders coming up next week for the for the British Open. Uh, Luke Donald, the captain. Uh, Lockdown are John Rahm, Roy McElroy, Victor Hovland, yep. Matt Fitzpatrick, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, you got about four guys, maybe a Victor Perez, Robert McIntyre, some of these others. Uh, the Hoygaard yeah. brothers. Yeah. There's, there's some... And somebody might play their way in. They have a strong week. team. That's a strong team. I agree. It's a mono, mono a mono. That top, you know, let's say eight. We could certainly guess a couple more off our six. I'd be. We might be favored on paper, you know, but mono a mono. That'd be a pretty. That'd be a fair fight, right We'd there. We'd be yeah. probably favored into the, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, on the singles day, but really going into singles, if they put their best eight or nine guys out there, they can go toe-to-toe with They got a shot, for sure. They got a shot. All right, we're going to take a break. This is the End Zone Club. We're going to come back with more picks for the We can, and I I have a thought on the Ryder Cup. Okay, well, we'll talk Ryder Cup, too. The tour buying Euro's Ryder Cup. (laughs) Okay. Why didn't they just buy the PGA of America's Ryder Cup rights? 
Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't sell. They probably wouldn't sell. That's their big income. Thank you. They make her there. <laughs> All right. This is the End Zone Club on KOBJ. Ed and Ben are here at the half hour to talk NFL and Big 12 football. We're back after these messages. British invasion music here on the End Zone Club. I don't know if Ben Clements would approve of that. But look, they're playing. It's awesome. They're playing the British Open. It's perfect. Over in Merseyside on the West Coast at Royal Liverpool. We could have played Beatles music. You sure could have played and, Beatles And we probably there. should have. But you yeah. know, Jerry and the Pacemakers. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Marston used to go to all the British Opens. I'm sure he watched you play, Mark. I know he was walking around with Ben at, the, at Royal Burkdale in 1998. Yeah. Uh, but this is the End Zone Club, I digress, <laughs> on KLBJ, uh, brought to you by Covert Bastrop, Howie Brendan Herman, S&B Amusements, Sue Patrick, and Pokey Joe's Barbecue. Uh, Mark, we were talking about Ryder Cup going into the break. Uh, any more thoughts about that? Uh, well, we were talking about the picks, you know, six picks on a 12-person team, 12-player team. I, I'm not for it. I mean, I think it's another thing that sort of bled out of COVID, you know, lack of a better term. You know, it's like the, let's, well, nobody's getting a shot. Everybody's got, we don't know what's going on. Let's just half the team you earn, half the team you, you, you pick. Yeah. I'm for earning your spot, meaning it, it's a two year window and it's a reward for good play. That's the way I have viewed this, yes. you know, for my 50 years of paying attention to it. It's a reward. Uh, it's not. It, it, has it turned into an awesome competition? Yes, but that didn't happen until in, it was in the eighties. You know, and yeah. we were just beating up on Great Britain, the, the British Isles, which is what what made up the team prior to. I'm, I'll get it wrong, but around eighty three to eighty five, and that's yeah. when Sabby came in. Yeah, when, and turned the thing into a real competition, and they won a bunch. They have won a bunch of cups. You know, honestly, since. They allowed all of Europe to participate, which was a proper move. The Ryder Cup wasn't making a dime. It's now a huge, you know, spectacle. It's a it's a bucket list item for a lot of sports fans, even yeah. soft golf fans. Let's go to the Ryder Cup. Got to get there. So I'm for rewarding the guys to go do it. I can't stand the even the thought that it's this closed knit circle or fraternity of guys that get in this group that control it i hate that yeah. and i think that's going on right now especially yeah. concerning the captaincies yeah so i don't want to see that bleed into the t half the teams picked by this group if you're not in the circle mm, good luck yeah. so to yeah. me that's that's awful it's horrible it's not not meritocracy meritocracy in any way so let's get back to yeah it's earning it man you earn your spot Get, go for it. Well, I'm, you know, I think you have to, like you mentioned, you have to kind of change the system a little bit to get in a position to earn your spot. But Well, let me ask you, Joe. But, so but, if I won three majors, let's say in 2022, and you go, let's change the system where it's only current players playing good. I won three majors last year. I was player of the year, everything. And I, I, so, I want a team to win. I want my team. I'm trying uh, to pick nah, the best team. No, no I, I still I, I want I'm you not to, saying that yes. uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't stop the guy that won three majors, but I'm trying to pick the best team to put on the field, period. That's fine, but you know, I still think you're missing the point on that one. I, you know, uh, I'm going to give them. Lose. I, well, then we should have a Ryder Cup every year, and then it would lose its 
yeah, possessed. Okay, be, yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to have a guy that has a bang out world, you know, beats everybody a year, and then he runs in a little bit of slump, which can happen really yeah, quickly in this yeah, game. Which we mentioned, JT, he's kind of in that place right now. Well, I mean, I he's can tell you, click. right as yeah. of today, he would miss the playoffs. Yeah, there you go. Okay, there you go. But are you going to keep him off the team? If he earned his spots, I'm going to say no. He won the PGA last year at Southern Hills. No question. He He's great. on my team, okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, listen, I get it why the That's Euros. That's a lot of points you're giving up. I get it why the Euros want the six, the six pick. They need it. Yeah. They need it because the live the live has decimated their tour. And the PGA Tour, their guys play on our tour, bud. They, yeah, they play over here. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yes. A lot. Well, I mean, they do play over here a lot, but I'm just saying they wouldn't be eligible for our Ryder Cup team. A oh, lot, no, no, a lot that's of true. That's true. But I'm saying that's the reason they had to change their criteria mm-hmm. so dramatically. Their yes, guys sir. weren't playing most of their golf on the European mm-hmm. tour. Mm-hmm. So they went, hmm, we got to figure this out or we're yeah. going to be in big trouble. Yeah. All and right. they did. And they yeah. did. And they did. Yeah, so we've got about five minutes. Let's talk about some of the other players uh, in the last half hour, I picked Roy McElroy and Cam Smith was my long shot somewhat. Why don't you start with Victor Hovland? Yeah. So that I mean, some of Lord. the others, yeah, Mark, you had picked Tommy Fleetwood and Scotty Scheffler. But, yeah, Victor Hovland, who had a great run at the at the U.S. Open. Or was it the PGA? It was the U.S. Open. PGA. PGA especially. Yeah, he, he and uh, where mm. he could have taken Kepka mm-hmm. down. He and Oh yeah, that's right. Our, he, he our bar- Canadian bar- friend that that, yeah. that bladed their nine irons into the face of the bunker on the sixteenth <laughs> hole there. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were a day apart, but those were <laughs> unbelievable. Those were two of the more shockingly wild shots. I mean, I'm sure if we got to talk to Victor, he would tell us something oh, yeah. was up. You know, the lie was actually really down, and he was having to feel like he had to blade it to get out of there. But mm-hmm. I mean, he was. Pretty close to winning that golf tournament. He makes a double bogey yeah. and finishes two back. There you so, go. Thank yeah. you. So there. But he's he's a you know he's I love the kid. I love his game. Love his attitude. Uh, his short game's gotten better. He's faced it head on. Mm-hmm. Didn't hide it. Didn't go you know get in the closet. He got I out agree. front with it. And uh, he's he's one of my picks every week. So Colin Morikawa, who came close in the U.S. Open, trending 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 up. trending mm-hmm. up. He's another possibility. Joe, you got somebody else. What about Jordan Spieth? I don't know. Thinking, there's, a, there's another guy that I'm not sure if he's he's trending in the right direction. I mean, he knows I think, how to turn it on in the big on the for the big stage. I will say that that's yeah. what Jordan has going for I'm him. I'm pulling for him. There's no well, but he knows how to turn it on, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, he he can bring it out of what a seemingly the abyss and <laughs> yeah, put a and proper fit, proper finish on it. Yeah. He's been doing that even when he was in a slump. I mean, he showed up at a couple majors. Like, man, where did that come from? Well, that's yeah. what I'm worried about. Scotty's pick of Rory. I mean, you know, it'll be a just a backdoor top five again, you know, something yeah. like that. I mean, he's <laughs> he's got something. That he 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 won. He should have won last year. He knows it. Is that too much pressure, Mark? Some people do better with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Some don't. Okay. Yeah. I think the jury's out on Roy McIlroy. Okay. Yeah. On that, I'm going to throw another guy's name out there, just kind of out of the or a couple of them: Dustin Johnson, Shane Lowry. The big probably, Irishman, well, probably yeah. both a little bit out of form. I mean, to, you know, but you never know. Uh, I would, I mean, I'll go, I'll go wild if the weather's rough, you know rough. Uh, I like Shane better than than DJ right mm-hmm. now. There you go. And I think Shane maybe two or three shots off the lead. I mean, he's playing decent this week. He is so, playing. He's playing good. Yeah, so he'll move. You know, he'll, mentally he'll be ready probably if he has a good round tomorrow. And I the mean, weather's going to be bad. This by is the way. probably unfair, but I'm going to sh- sh- throw it out there. If you've been on the live tour for a year, fine, you know, but. 
let's just say ultra catered to, not like our guys aren't catered to, but ultra catered to, <laughs> that rough weather might be a little harder to take. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, they that, won't be able to hear the music. Well, it's just, it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like my toughness might wane a touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's And I think it's true. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. We're all going to get up early. I can't wait. And uh, and watch it. And then we're going to have the blues for the next nine months until the next major takes place, uh-huh. although we do have Ryder Cup mm-hmm. in the mix in between. So We do. So you can, about, about 5 a.m., yeah. you ought to be able to catch Rory about to turn. So <laughs> I might that's actually, today. Yeah, yeah. To, that's this morning. I might do that. That's today. 3 a.m. I'm not for. All right. Well, th- <laughs> this has been fun for the last hour and a half. Thanks to Mark Brooks for joining uh, in Ed and Ben's absence and Joe Beck. We will pick this up in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is the 15th Club, and after the news, Ed and Ben are going to talk Big 12 football and NFL football on the End Zone Club, Hour 2 of Sports Saturday. Welcome back to the End Zone Club on KLBJ Radio. I'm Ed Clements along with Ben Clements. Our show proudly brought to you by Covert and Bastrop, Howie Breen and Herman, Attorneys at Law, S&B Amusements, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, and by Pokey Joe's Barbecue. Ben, Big 12 Media Days this week. The football season is right around the corner. The Texas Longhorns had a great, great uh, group of guys there. And it really is kind of getting interesting because everybody, the media, everybody's predicting that the Longhorns are going to win the Big 12, Big 12 title, which will be the final title, the final time that OU and Texas will be in the Big 12. It just seems to me it may be just a little bit of overconfidence. I wouldn't say overconfidence when you have a lot of returning starters that are upperclassmen. You have Quinn Ewers, who, by the way, I saw photos of him at the media day. He looks good. He looks like he's aged a little bit. He's clean-shaven now. He has the short hair. It re- he, he's lean. He's gotten leaner. He's lost a lot of weight. He's built some muscle mass. He does look very good, and that is why you can't overstate how good the Longhorns are going to be this season. Even though you lost Bijan Robinson, a once-in-a-maybe-generational-type talent at running back, your O-line has gotten older. They've gotten stronger. They've gotten bigger. You have a seasoned quarterback in Quinn Ewers who has a year under his belt. He is probably the most experienced and most talented quarterback in the Big 12. And I don't say that lightly. There's a lot of great quarterbacks, but Quinn Ewers is one of the favorites from the Heisman. He's already a favorite to be a top 10 draft pick. Will he live up to his hype will be the question, but Texas has a lot, and they got a lot of receivers. So the, core, the, the stars are aligning for Texas to have a great season. Yeah, a thing about Quinn, he's got to overcome the big mistakes he had in some games. I know he was injured in Alabama out a couple of games, but he did not have a particularly great game against TCU or Oklahoma State or Tech. He had a really good game against Washington, but he was shorthanded with uh, Bijan and Roshan both out of the lineup. I think the biggest key for me, and you touched on it briefly, was the wide receiver core for Texas. Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, the transfers from Georgia – I'm telling you what, it seems to me they're the best wide receiving core in the country. Yeah, you know, Xavier Worthy is, he's already a Big 12. I hate, I hate when they have the preseason, you know, all Big 12. I think that might be the stupidest thing that the national media does. But Xavier Worthy, he broke all the, all the receiving records as a freshman, and he spent two thirds of the season last year hurt with a, with a, with a busted up hand. 
I just think that, you know, Texas fans, you know, every once in a while need to look themselves in the mirror and, and think, am I being dramatic in, in the expectations? Because that's Texas football. You know better than I. The expectations for Texas football are always far too high that only a national championship can live up to it. But this is a season where Texas can and should win at least nine games. I think in Vegas at, at the MGM, the over-under is nine and a half, or is it nine, flat? Nine and a half. So... Texas should do that. I look at the schedule, and there's a lot of victories out there, a lot of W's on the board to take. Obviously, Alabama will be the biggest hurdle. Oklahoma this year, I don't see them improving much, so I think going to Dallas should be you know, another victory. Which of the newcomers in the Big 12 will cause the most trouble with the BYUs, with the Houston? I, I think BYU might be the scariest of the new bunch, but I, you know, it's just it'll be interesting because this is a different season. It is a we have a new Big Twelve. It's the last last year of the Big Twelve for Texas, so they got the you know the target on their back. This is a season where you can't predict a whole lot. You just can't. Well, I think you can predict that Texas will have a good good season, as you said. Uh, and the, the bugaboo is on Steve Sarkeesian because Steve Sarkeesian, I say this all the time, he's a very, very nice guy, very capable guy, but the big question has been, is he a great coach? I don't think he's proved it yet. He's a good coach, but uh, by having only 13 wins in his first two years at Texas, 13 and 12, that's not very impressive. He's got everything in place this year, and then he's a great recruiter. And again, that's thanks to the Texas big money with NIL. But I think the onus is on Steve Sarkeesian. Of course. Again, we always talk expectations. Steve Sarkeesian, um, he has not performed as well as a lot of people thought he would. But again, Texas last year, let's look back. How many games did they lose by a total of less than a touchdown? Uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, Alabama, they were very close with TCU. Football's a game of inches and seconds, and unfortunately for Steve Sarkeesian, if a couple plays had gone his way, Texas could have been a 9 or 10 win team last year. So yeah, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, he obviously needs a great year, and I just I hate the conversations. If they don't perform well, are they going to have to fire him? At some point, Texas needs to give a, a coach a flat five years regardless of how they perform. At some point, they have to do that, or else it's a merry-go-round because you can't – nothing in life is perfect unless you go 12-0 and yeah. win a national championship, which – how many teams do that a season? Kirby Smart, only guy I know. Kirby Smart did it, has done it two years in a row. Then Saban, yeah, not not many guys. I, yeah, it's it's interesting. I hate to even talk about Steve Sarkeesian losing his job, but it's just a fact of life in college football. If you don't perform, and I don't think it's going to happen this year because the Longhorns have the schedule in place. I think the two big games to me lurking out there. Or, ironically, two home games. The BYU contest when Steve's former team comes to town. And pesky Kansas State, who won the Big 12 uh, postseason championship last year. I just think that we're going to see this year a different kind of Texas team. Last year, that offense, the bread and butter was Bijan. It was Bijan. It really, it was, their, it was their running back room. It was their running back room. Uh, I, I will question that because the running back room disappeared against TCU, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, against TCU, but for the most part, that was the bread and butter. But this year, Texas has one of the best wide receiver cores in the country. Obviously, Xavier, obviously Jordan Whittington, Jatavion Sanders, one of the best tight ends in the country. And then a couple of these new guys. We had Isaiah Nayer who came in. We have Adonai Mitchell, who played for the National Championship Georgia Bulldogs last year. Quinn Ewers already has four unbelievable uh, uh, targets to throw to. So I, 
this will be a very pass-heavy offense, especially, again, and it's just kind of repetitive, but Quinn Ewers, there's a lot of expectation out of him because he is one of the most talented quarterbacks we've seen, at least from potential Probably potential. Since, probably since I think he, even if you if you talk just potential and the the hype and the high school highlights, we haven't seen anybody since Vince Young like him. He he even, you know, Colt McCoy didn't this, didn't get this kind of expectations until he was a junior. He had a great freshman year, fell off sophomore year, came back as a junior, and was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Quinn Ewers, there's a lot of expectations for what he did in high school and what we think we could see in his. NFL-style quarterback play. Yeah, if, if Quinn does what he did in the first quarter against Alabama, continues his play like he did against Washington in the bowl game, it's going to fall into place. And I believe with this wide receiver core and a young uh, uh, running back uh, core, I think it's going to be a coach. Now, Jalen Ford's a guy who's going to lead the Longhorn defense. That's where I think uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and the guys have to come through with this defense. No, yeah, and obviously uh, and, and Sweat, there's, they have a great D-line the defense, that's always kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up for me. I think the D-line is going to be a very mean D-line this year, but it's Big 12 football. Just put up 75 and pray to God that your, your defense can stop them one time. This is Texas' final year in the Big 12 along with Oklahoma. Uh, the commissioner of the Big 12 said that he will explore beginning next year. Texas will, won't be there. Thursday and Friday night Big 12 games. I'm totally opposed to having Thursday and Friday night college football wait, games. I haven't I've, – wait, I, this is something – you didn't – we didn't, yeah. didn't go through this through the pre-show, pre-show uh, yeah. walkthrough. What? Next year, the Big 12 commissioner says he would like to see some Big 12 games on Thursday night or Friday night, not Saturday afternoon or Saturday nights. Two things. I mean, again, I, this is the first time hearing this. Thursday night games, interesting – why do you want to try to compete with NFL football? Because everybody, especially if it's a good NFL game, nobody's going to watch that. Also, Friday night, who plays Friday night college football? And it's, it's not like you want, you want to compete with high school football on the TV ratings, but that's high school football. It is, it's been like that since the dawn of man, since they started throwing the pigskin on the gridiron. Why would you have Friday night football? Kids are too busy going downtown and getting wasted or having fraternity parties. The players, like, Friday night football... It's high school. Why would they do that? I get maybe doing Thursday night football because there are some of the smaller leagues that do that. You have the WAC that does Thursday night and Wednesday night, and it's fantastic because it's another reason to watch football during the week. But Friday night football is an awful, awful idea. It just doesn't – It's it makes no sense. It's like putting you know salsa on a, on a hot dog. That doesn't match. And it's not going to bode well for the Texas high school football coaches who feel that's a threat. And I agree with them. That's a terrible idea. Uh, the commissioner is a good marketing guy, you know, former Vegas guy. So they're just trying to sell their product. We need to take a break. After this break, we're going to talk NFL football, specifically NFL running backs. Joe Mixon back in the news from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Who's the best running back out there? We'll tell you when we return to the End Zone Club on KLBJ Radio, proudly brought to you by Pokey Joe's Barbecue, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, S&B Amusements, Howry, Breen, and Herman, and Covert and Bastrop. Ben and I will be back with more right after this. Welcome back to the End Zone Club on KLBJ Radio. Ed Clements and Ben Clements on this Saturday evening, our show, proudly brought to you by Covert and Bastrop, Howry, Breen, and Herman, attorneys at law, 
S&B Amusements. Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road and by Pokey Joe's Barbecue. Ben, uh, the NFL season, they're gearing up for their training camps. We learned this week that the Jets will be the team on hard knocks this week. Much to the chagrin of Aaron Rodgers, I think I think it's going to be a winner for HBO, and I wonder how involved Aaron Rodgers is going to be with the Hard Knocks crew, or will he avoid them like the plague? Well, no, he has the, the history and reputation of being shy in front of the media. He rarely does interviews. He likes to disappear into third-world countries and do drugs. He's <laughs> not the kind of guy that's going to want to get in front of, like, nine HBO cameras as they're doing quarterback drills and spew his deepest, darkest secrets because he's got a lot of deep, dark secrets. He doesn't have the best family life. He's pretty rash in his personal life. He's not the friendliest of guys from what I hear. He's just not that – I mean, he's actually – I was going to say he's not that interesting. He's actually the most interesting guy in the NFL, but in not like the I want to go have a beer with him. It's more like I want to go smoke some peyote with him and just listen to his philosophy on – the Kama Sutra or something. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of vignettes they have. I think they'll probably focus on the younger quarterback, Zach Wilson. They may focus on the young running backs, defensive backs, but it's it's going to be interesting on HBO's Hard Knocks. It will be cool, you know, being in New York, being in the Big Apple, seeing New York City, and the Jets who have been historically awful as of recently. It is a pretty good storyline, the reemergence of the New York Jets – one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time coming into town. I'm sure they already started filming. I, not, not yet. They're, they'll start one training camp. Oh, maybe, maybe they're doing a little preliminary filming. Maybe I so. just wonder how much Aaron Rodgers will be in it because do they pay him? Do you know if they pay? They don't pay him at all. You're, you're, you're shaking your head no. no if they, they don't pay him, Aaron Rodgers won't do it. But I feel like <laughs> if, they, if they gave him, if they threw him a bone, gave him a hundred grand – and you got some personal episodes of Aaron Rodgers, it would be the best season ever. They don't pay him. They don't pay him? Then why the hell would some of these players that are superstars agree to do this? I guess they they don't have to. No, they don't have to. It's just the Jets, and I think he can avoid him like the plague if he wants or tell him to get out of his room. Okay, let's get into some nitty-gritty. Well, let's talk about the running backs right now um, because a lot of the the big news outlets are, are coming out of their top top running backs. Joe Mixon has returned uh, with the Bengals. Restructured his deal with the Bengals. Seventh season, and he's kind of proof positive, but after all these seasons, these running backs are interchangeable, but there was a list today I saw. They put Nick Chubb of the Browns on top of this list. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, so I saw, so this has been, this is from CBS, this is from Pro Football Talk, um, Like, and they're pretty similar, whereas Nick Chubb is the number one running back followed by Derrick Henry, which I get Nick Chubb is a really good running back, but is he number one? I don't really think so. I still, in today's running back era, I would say Christian McCaffrey's number one, the white lightning, the white man's hope, Christian McCaffrey, the only only Caucasian that could actually become a good running back. But then Derrick Henry, who has been very consistent, one of the biggest bulldozers of a running back, um... I do like that one. Christian McCaffrey at three, according to a lot of these sites. The big surprise for me is Tony Pollard being a top ten running back, which I like. Give him the respect because he has been a very good secondary with the Cowboys. But 
Tony Pollard on on all these lists will be the biggest. Can he prove himself as the sole back for the Cowboys? Yeah, and if he's if he's healthy, they also have on this list. He said Chubb and Christian McCaffrey. I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. They did not have a great year at all last year, but I think he's solid. Saquon Barkley, who's not signed a new deal yet. Derrick Henry's instead. Is Derrick Henry getting a little long on the tooth, though? That's the biggest concern for me. He's carried the ball so much for this uh, Tennessee team. Then Jonathan Taylor from the Colts, who just disappeared last year to me. Ben, your thoughts on on Jonathan Taylor? Well, coming out of – Wisconsin, right? Coming out of Wisconsin, he, that, he was the prototypical NFL running back because they run between the tackles. They have that pro-cell offense. I like the way he plays. Their offensive line is shaky at times. The Colts, I just don't know. I, I, without, I don't know what their schemes are because they're having to work his ass to the, to the tip of his feet, and I just don't know how, you know, how, how he can really maintain that for more than two more seasons. A guy that I like, too, that's a top 10 running back is Austin Eckler of the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, are going to be one of the most exciting, dynamic offensive teams because Kellen Moore is there, the former Cowboy offensive coordinator, and I think it's going to be terrific. I think Austin Eckler gets the most disrespect from the national media than any other running back. You pair him with Justin Herbert, who's one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL, with their wide receiver core, and now with Kellen Moore, who is a great schemer. He is a very nifty play caller that knows how to set a defense up. He knows how to set up a a series where on that third play, they go for the end zone and they hit it almost every time. I really like – I think Kellen Moore, and this is no offense to the Cowboys, he has a lot more to work with. Um, with the Chargers, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. That's a one-two punch that he never had with the Cowboys. No disrespect to Dak and Zeke, but that's two guys that are playmakers. Austin Eckler, I think, will emerge this season as a as the best running back in the NFL or a second best. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Bijan has been up there consistently in this offseason since he was drafted as one of those running backs to watch out for. People already have him as one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he hasn't played a snap in preseason yet, let alone in the regular season. How is he going to fall this year? I think he's going to have a tremendous year if he stays healthy. I don't think they're going to put all that pressure on him quickly because they've got other running backs in Italy. That was a big P there. You sound like Herbert from Family Guy <laughs> whistling when he talks. Whistling. But, no, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure. He's going to see a lot of carries. But they've got a lot of weapons back there in their running back room. Quickly, let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott. No deal yet with the Cowboys, I think. He's going to restructure his deal where he will be Tony Pollard's backup and he'll come in in situations and Dak Prescott has his best friend on the team. Your thoughts about that? That's what I hope for. And that's what I've kind of, I had an inkling that he's just going to give it time by the time. And if he's not signed in a month or two, screw it. Just go back to the Cowboys. Yeah, you you get a, a pay decrease. Yeah, you're not the star anymore. You're not starting, but he really took to the Cowboys. The, the, the city of Dallas and Texas opened him, or they welcomed him with open arms. I think he will come back to Dallas, and he'll be that situational guy. He'll be like the Reggie Bush and Lindell White circa 2004 USC Trojans, lightning and thunder, because he has gained weight. He has lost a, a step, but he can be a fantastic thunder-type running back when they're in the red zone. And Tony Pollard can be a true every day, every down back that can run between the tackles, you know, can, can run in the perimeter. He can even stretch out wide. I would, I hope 
And I pray that the Cowboys bring Zeke back because it was a crushing blow for all Cowboys fans when Zeke left because that was a hard goodbye. I know Mark and uh, Scotty talked about this, but the British Open starts Thursday at Hoyle Lake in Liverpool. Rory McIlroy is the leader going into tomorrow's final round at the Scottish Open. A lot of great players right behind him, including uh, Texas ex Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Jordan Spieth did not make the cut in Scotland, but he's playing at Hoyle Lake. Not a good warm-up for, for Jordan in that. Your thoughts on your pick for next week's British Open? I disagree real quick, Pop. I think it's honestly it is a, it is a bad omen if you win the Scottish Open the week before the British Open. I think Jordan Spieth tactically missed the cut. He felt, he felt the Lynx course. He felt it out, wet his beak a little bit so he can get over to Liverpool, do the Beatles tour, get that out of the way, then start practicing on that course. Um, next week, though... God, I'm such a basic B word. I'm picking Rory. Mm. Rory's been itching, touching it, feeling it, caressing it. He's been playing with it, getting that major for the first time in a decade, basically. Rory's going to win next week. He's close enough to home that he can feel like he's comfortable. He's on the Screw You Tour to the live. He's going to win next week. Uh, I would love to see Scotty Scheffler win, but I think uh, the guy who's going to win next week is the guy who was runner-up to Rory the last time it was Hoyle Lake, uh, our friend Tommy Fleetwood. I'm taking Tommy Fleetwood, who's very much in the hunt, going into tomorrow morning Scottish Open final round. Real quick, if it's not him, I'm going Cam Smith back-to-back. He won in the live last weekend. He's playing really well, or it might have been two weeks ago. Cam Smith is playing well. He's been the dark – he's not the dark horse, but he's been an afterthought. So Cam Smith, two in a row, or Rory. Thank you so much. Those are our predictions for the British Open. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Scotty and Mark for helping us out today. Thank you, Matt who will be leaving us as producer. Great job, Matt. Uh, This has been the End Zone Club on KLBJ, brought to you by Covert and Bastrop, Howery, Brennan, Herman, S&B Amusements, Sue Patrick, and by Pokey Joe's Barbecue. For Ben Clements, I'm Ed Clements. See you next week on the End Zone Club on KLBJ.